must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic process. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream. Welcome to Great Men Back Then. Here's your host, Lauren Scott. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Lauren Scott and welcome back to Great Men Back Then, the show where we talk about great people in American history. Today we will be talking about the 16th president of the United States who was responsible for freeing the slaves in America, Abraham Lincoln. If you know one thing about Abraham Lincoln, is that he is the president who put an end to slavery in the United States. But what many people don't focus on when they're studying Abraham Lincoln is the details in his childhood that led to a lot of the struggles that he faced as an adult. A lot of things that happened to him and a lot of things that he experienced as a child followed him for the rest of his life and would deeply affect him in every aspect. Another thing that people don't focus on often is his religion. Lincoln's religion is often debated um, on whether or not he was a Christian, and we'll get into that later in the episode, but it's easy for um, Lincoln's religion to kind of be overshadowed by the fact that he freed slaves. And so I, I want to talk about his childhood and then his views on religion for a good portion of today's episode. And then I also want to talk about the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, and if you don't know what that is, I will explain it later in the episode. And we will also listen to um, some audio by History and Five. And um, they will explain five things you need to know about the Emancipation Proclamation. Somebody once asked Abraham Lincoln about his past. And he responded and said, My past is the history of the poor. Lincoln was about as poor as it gets um, when he was growing up. He was born in a little log cabin with mud floors, literal dirt floors, um, to a very poor family. On top of being poor, um, his father was a raging alcoholic. Now, when Lincoln was young and his father was married to his first wife, Lucy, Uh, He kind of had his alcoholism under control. Um, But when Lincoln was about nine years old, his mother passed away. And not only did this have a big effect on Lincoln, obviously for a small child to lose his mother is a very sad thing, something that they'll probably never get over and pain that will follow them for the rest of their life, but Lincoln not only had to deal with the horrible pain of losing his mother, but this also um, caused his father to spiral and to 
pick up his alcoholic tendencies even more. And unfortunately, uh, his father became very abusive to Lincoln and his siblings. Obviously, for a child to grow up with an alcoholic parent who is abusive, it's something that they'll never get over, and it's something that's going to have an effect on them all throughout their life. Fortunately for Lincoln, his father did make a wonderful decision and decided to remarry um, a woman named Sarah. And even though Sarah was Lincoln's stepmom, he adopted her and took her in as his mother. And he loved her and admired her as if she was his biological mom. And you've probably heard the saying, um, even if you don't know that this saying was originally said by Lincoln, um, but it goes like, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. So that is what Lincoln said about his stepmom, Sarah. Um, He referred to his stepmom as his angel mother. And so whenever his father married her, um, it helped with his abuse and his alcoholism and provided Lincoln with a house full of love and warmth. And although it wasn't perfect, it was much better than how it was before whenever his father um, was a widower. Besides providing love and care in the Lincoln household, um, one of the greatest things that Sarah did for little Abraham Lincoln Um, was introduce him to a love of reading. She's the one who really encouraged Lincoln in his education, but literature specifically. And this is what really encouraged Lincoln to uh, pursue a life of education and to want to further his education and always be reading. Um, We know that Lincoln was... As soon as he was introduced to literature and great works of art, he was always reading as a child. And I think that this probably had a really big effect on him becoming a lawyer um, because he was very studious and he liked to read. And I think that encouraged him in his in his schoolwork. And eventually he became before he was a politician and a statesman, he served as a lawyer Now, fast forward to Lincoln getting old enough to pursue love in his life. So, um, kind of funny, Lincoln actually had, well, kind of funny, but also kind of sad. Lincoln had three women in his life. Um, And I think in his case, the first woman was the best, Um, which is also unfortunate because she's the one who... He did not end up with. So the first woman that Lincoln fell in love with, her name was Anne Rutledge. And they were actually engaged to be married. But um, unfortunately, Rutledge unexpectedly passed away. And so they were not able to be married. And a lot of historians believe that Lincoln 
Lincoln's depression really started to spiral after the death of his fiance. I think definitely his father's abuse and alcoholism attributed to that and the death of his mother. Um, But there was a clear, distinct difference in him after the death of his fiance. And um, after her death, he really wasn't interested in anyone else. Um, There was a woman who was very interested in him and pursued him. But Lincoln was not interested at all. Um, And after a couple months, I don't know how long, maybe a year of this woman being obsessed with Lincoln and him not returning her uh, the attention, uh, Lincoln actually did decide that he loved her and wanted to pursue her. But unfortunately, by that time, the woman had moved on and no longer fancied Lincoln. And so the third woman in Lincoln's life, you probably recognize, her name is Mary Todd. And I would love to tell you that Lincoln found happiness in Mary Todd, um, but that's simply not the truth. She was um, not a very great wife. They had a terrible marriage. Um, Mary Todd was abusive to Lincoln, and obviously this played a, a, a big role in Lincoln's mental health, and I would imagine... Uh, contributed to his depression and there's actually a quote by Mary Todd I don't know the exact wording I haven't looked it up recently but um, she's basically saying she only married Abraham Lincoln because she knew that he was going to become president of the United States and it within that quote also says he is not handsome um which Even though Lincoln was a funny guy, um, probably the funniest president we've ever had, uh, with maybe a few close behind him, um, he wasn't the most handsome. His body was um, very disproportionate. Um, So he was 6'4", but only weighed, I think, like... 160 pounds, uh, which is just extremely skinny. And also 6'4", for back when he lived, was a lot taller than 6'4 is today. And his arms were so long that his hands went past his knees. And so even though Mary Todd was right in saying he wasn't the most handsome fellow, Um, It's still pretty horrible to marry someone just because you think they're going to become president of the United States. I strongly believe that another factor that contributed to um, Lincoln's depression is his view on religion. So he was raised in a reformed Baptist household, um, pretty strict Calvinist. And when he grew up, he basically denied all Christianity and was pretty irreverent a lot of the times. And he, his philosophy on religion, he adopted um, a philosophy called the doctrine of necessity, which basically is 
Calvinism, but without God's love. And so he basically believed that everything was predetermined. And so this horrible life he was living was just predetermined. And it didn't matter what he did because he was really not in control of his fate. And so I can imagine that someone who believed um, that, someone who believed that they had no control in their life and there was no God who loved him, that this person would be depressed and have no hope to live. So there is debate with whether or not Lincoln had a conversion at the end of his life. And of course, we never know um, what someone, you know, says to God on their deathbed or a decision that they make right before they pass away. Um, But there are a lot of historians who believe that Lincoln probably did have a conversion to Christianity toward the end of his life. There was a note found um, in some of his belongings claiming that there was truly a God, which is something that he never really talked about um, toward the end of his life. But um, we do we did find that note in his belongings. And so that kind of gives us a little bit of hope. And then also his second inaugural speech was very loving and forgiving. And unlike a lot of his other speeches in the past, whenever he did believe the doctrine of necessity. And so the second inaugural address by Abraham Lincoln is another reason why some historians believe that he did have a conversion to Christianity at the end of his life. And now moving on to the most well-known thing that Lincoln did as president, which was freeing the slaves. So you've probably heard of the Emancipation Proclamation, and although that is not what ended slavery, what ended slavery was the 13th Amendment, but the Emancipation Proclamation was a huge step in the right direction. And so I'm actually going to play some audio from History in Five, and it's going to explain the Emancipation Proclamation and kind of what that meant for America. At the outset of the Civil War, Lincoln made it clear that what he thought the nation was fighting for, the mission of the war, was to reunite the states. After a while, the mission of the war also included the end of slavery, but that took some time. In fact, the question of slavery was a complicated one in the mid-19th century. Many people believed that slavery itself was wrong, but they did not believe that equality should flow from an end of slavery. In fact, science itself claimed the belief that white, the white race was inherently superior to the black race. Lincoln felt the best outcome to the Civil War, the way to remove this, this crisis from the American landscape, was to recolonize the black Americans back to Africa, where they had come from. He was pessimistic about the black and white races ever being able to live together in this country. Lincoln was very much a creature of the Enlightenment. He believed in reason. He tended in his religious feelings to be an agnostic. Even the way that Lincoln conducted the war, the way the war strategy was established, showed a belief in reason. The strategies were built around the training that 
the generals had had at West Point, which was really French. It was driven by French war theory and established by a European named uh, Jomini. And so he believed in what their approach was, which was driven primarily by reason. Um, in fact, those theories fell apart in the Civil War. They no longer had the same uh, success that they had had in Europe for a multitude of reasons. But as this happened, Lincoln himself began to lose faith in reason as a method for conducting war strategy. He really moved more to the notion of a strong, brutal warfare, uh, as we saw conducted in, in Atlanta with Sherman much later in the war. When we think of Lincoln, we think of him as the great emancipator, as if this was an easy decision for Lincoln to free the slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation was in fact difficult for Lincoln to do. He worried that it would, it would not necessarily hasten the end of the war. It might make the war more vigorously prosecuted. In fact, it might lead to the South employing the freed slaves uh, in their effort in order to gain a bigger advantage. So Lincoln writes the Emancipation Proclamation in July of 1862, then in September, he issues it as the, what they call the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, a kind of threat, really, that says, unless the rebel states return to the fold, unless they stop their fighting, that he is going to free the slaves in those rebel states. Then it sits on his desk for months. By the middle of December, no one is sure whether the threat of the Emancipation Proclamation, which Lincoln had determined would be actually issued on January 1, 1863, will actually be carried through. And on the night before, on December 31st, New Year's Eve, 1862, he stays up all night. And finally, on the January 1st, 1863, he does indeed sign the Emancipation Proclamation. One of the reasons that the Emancipation Proclamation was so difficult to write is that it contained many paradoxes, ironies, and contradictions. Lincoln was freeing the slaves in the states in the rebellious South, states over which he at that point had no control. He was not freeing slaves in the North, in the border states, where, he, where, where slavery could continue despite the Emancipation Proclamation. Furthermore, he could not free slaves constitutionally. Uh, according to the Constitution, the slaves were, were property, were personal property. He landed on a justification that was to use the Emancipation Proclamation as an act of war. To him, this was justification to free the slaves and thereby undermine the war effort in the South. But this created a paradox. The Emancipation Proclamation did not carry the uh, force of law. It only carried a direction of policy conducted by his generals and his armies as they moved throughout the South. So theoretically, the slaves could have been re-enslaved once the war was over. Of course, with the constitutional amendment passed in 1865 to end slavery, that question became moot. One of the other outcomes of the Emancipation Proclamation as an tactic of war was that it unleashed a whole new population into the war itself. Not only did the proclamation free the slaves, it also encouraged them 
to enlist in the army. At the same time that many of the white northern soldiers were losing their enthusiasm for the battle, these new black soldiers arrived to put new enthusiasm and new fire into the army itself, resulting in new successes and ultimately victory. All right, so I hope that gives you a little bit better of an understanding of Abraham Lincoln and the hard decisions that he had to make during the Civil War, um, but ultimately making the right decisions. I also hope it will give you a better understanding of what the Emancipation Proclamation was in itself. I've decided to focus on uh, these aspects of Lincoln's life today for a reason. It's not to just focus on the sad things or to paint a sob story for him, but it's to show you that Lincoln was a real person, um, just like you and I are, and he had struggles. And yet, through these struggles, he was able to achieve greatness. And not only do I think that Lincoln is a great man because he freed the slaves and he made difficult decisions... Um, but I, I think he's great because he did all this despite the fact that he had grown up in a terrible, abusive household, despite the fact that he lost his mother at a young age, despite the fact that he was in a terrible marriage where he was being abused there, uh, despite the fact that he most definitely had a chemical imbalance and suffered from depression because of that. And back then, there was really no help for that. And so for all these reasons, I believe that Abraham Lincoln was a great man. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then. I'm Lauren Scott on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Come back next week as we will talk about another great person in American history.